The Titans are looking to bounce back this week in London, taking on a tough Ravens team that has also been a little bit up and down this season. We are going to preview this game right now. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media in partnership with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. With me, as always, to preview this game is Justin Mello. We got a great guest coming on later to talk about this matchup. But, Justin, how's it going? What are you hoping for this week from the Titans? (laughs) It's a question I don't even know how to answer anymore, right? I mean, (laughs) if, if if they keep following the pattern that they've been on, um, you'd think they're going to play well on Sunday against the Ravens in London, right? I mean, big bounce back win against the Chargers a couple weeks ago, followed by a letdown loss to the Browns, followed by a big bounce back against the Bengals. And of course, as we all saw coming, it felt uh, another huge, huge letdown here against the Colts. So uh, if they, again, they follow their calendar, you know, they'll head over to it. They'll look at it and say, oh, it's time for us to play well again. We played bad on Sunday. <laughs> so I don't know what I, I don't know that I'm expecting that in all honesty. I don't think I am. And it'll probably reflect that once we get to the end of the shows and we make our predictions and all that. But uh, no, I don't have a ton of faith heading into Sunday. Yeah. And the Ravens are also coming off a lackluster performance, losing to the Steelers in a game where people use this phrase all the time, but I really want to say they beat themselves. I mean, they had so many chances to, whether it be score points and score touchdowns or get the crucial stop when they needed it or having balls get intercepted that, you know, receivers Odell Beckham could have done a better job to prevent. So we'll see. Lamar Jackson played really well. He had a really high PFF grade last week in the, something in the 90s, but his stats didn't really reflect a great game, again, because his receivers dropped, I think, seven passes in this game. I don't see that happening two weeks in a row, so... It'll be interesting to see if, if both teams bounce back and it's actually like a good test here in terms of one team being better than the other in term, as opposed to one team or both teams trying their best not to lose the game. I think that that's what we're going to see here is both teams with a sort of bounce back. But I mean, you said it, this Titans team has been so inconsistent this year. I really don't know what to expect. And I'd love to believe that this is the week that they're going to be good after being bad. But it's hard to say it's hard to say that with any confidence looking at this roster. And we'll see if the Titans can get Traylon Burks back from injury. We'll see if this is the week Nicholas Petit-Friere is inserted into the starting lineup somewhere along the offensive line. Don't even really know if that would be on the right side or the left side. But I think when you're talking about stopping Lamar Jackson... The Titans have done a pretty decent job of that under Mike Vrabel. They've always had pretty good game plans to contain the Baltimore offense, but this year is different. This year isn't the same old Ravens heavy rushing attack using the run to threaten and then hit you over the top with a big pass. They haven't been throwing the ball very deep a lot this year, but they have been throwing it more. They've been running a lot lot more three wide receiver sets than we've seen with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. So I'm curious to see if the Titans game plan that has always worked so well against the Ravens 
how much different that's going to be this year. How much are they going to, you know, change things up? You don't need necessarily to play all that single high safety and load up the line of scrimmage because the Ravens running attack is a lot different than what we've seen uh, in Lamar Jackson's career to this point. So curious to see what the Titans are able to do on defense. Obviously, after watching them get run all over by Zach Moss and the Colts last week, the confidence level is low. You really hope that T.R. Tart can get back for this one to help clog up some of those lanes in the middle, free up those linebackers, because I think a big problem from this last game, after looking at some of the, the coaches' film tape, is that the defensive line was not getting off blocks. They were allowing the offensive line to climb to the second level and pick off the Titans' linebackers, whereas through you know all, almost all of last year and the first four weeks of this season— it was a different story. It was the linemen eating up blocks and freeing up lanes for the linebackers to flow downhill and make plays in the run game. We didn't really see any of that against the Colts last week, so they've got to get back to that if they want a chance to stop the, the Ravens because as much as Todd Monken taking over as offensive coordinator has opened up the passing game, I still think the key to stopping Lamar Jackson is to shut down the Ravens' run game, force him into third and long passing situations, and, and do your best to stop him there. Yeah, uh, Jaleel Johnson had a run-stopping grade of 34 from Pro Football Focus <laughs> this past Sunday. And that's why, as I said, I think earlier this week on the on the recap pod, they signed another veteran D-tackle to the practice squad, Dante Stallworth. And I, you bet your bottom dollar that if they got to elevate a guy from the practice squad for a second week in a row um, to deal with Tart's injury, I imagine it'll be Stallworth and it won't be Jaleel Johnson. Now that Jaden Peavy's not an option, right? Those are the only two remaining yeah. guys um, that they have. Uh, you said it at the end there, took the words right out of my mouth, and I didn't think you were going to say it. Um, despite all the changes to the Ravens offense, and we're going to get more into that with our guest, Ken McCusick, who, by the way, is probably one of the biggest, and I mean it as a compliment, one of the biggest best football nerds that I know. I mean, I don't know that anyone knows their team as well as Ken McCusick knows the Ravens. So stay, stay tuned for a really good conversation coming in a couple of minutes here. But um, I think despite all those changes, I think the key to stopping the Ravens offense hasn't changed all that much, right? right. Like Lamar Jackson is still an electric runner of the football. So you want to make sure you're, you're, you stay sort of patient and you stick to your rules and you don't abandon your gaps and you don't overrush and run past the pocket, run past the quarterback. You want to contain him still because he is still an elite runner of the football. And secondly, even with all those, you know, the receiver sets not going as heavy, I think you still want to defend the middle of the field, right? When it comes to slowing down their passing tack and you want to make him target the outsides, right? You want him to complete passes towards the sideline. That's what they did so well in those games that they won against him and against them. Um, certainly that playoff win, some of the regular season wins they've had recently, it's uh, by forcing him to prove that he's an accurate passer to the sidelines, right? Because that's where certainly... Um, the margin for error shrinks, so to speak, right? So especially when it comes to accuracy. So I think that's how you want to defend him. And um, that, that'll that be key, I think, to winning this ball. Yeah, and I'm interested to see if the Titans roll Christian Fulton out there again. We talked about this on the recap pod. The options behind him, it's not like they have a guy waiting to come in and be an all-pro cornerback, that like a Trey Avery or somebody that's just going to come in and suddenly be a lot better but if they can if Travery can come in and just be more disciplined and not bite on all the double moves and get himself out of position maybe like you're okay with living with guys going up at the catch point as long as 
Trey Avery is there to contest it. And talking about this new look Ravens offense, they added Odell Beckham Jr. in the offseason. They they drafted Zay Flowers in the first round. Rashad Bateman is still there, a former first-round pick. But they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman haven't played much this year. Mark Andrews missed week one. And uh, their leading receiver right now is actually the rookie, Zay Flowers. Now he's the only guy in the top six receiving of their receiving stats who has actually played all five games. Um, the other one being Nelson Aguilar, who they also added this offseason. But Zay Flowers leading the team in receptions, in targets, in yards. Hasn't scored a touchdown yet this year. If I'm if I'm playing fantasy football, betting against uh, the, the Titans passing defense, I think this could be the week Zay Flowers gets his first touchdown. But obviously Mark Andrews is still a huge part of their passing game. He is second on the team in receiving yards. And taking away him from the middle of the field and forcing, like you said, Lamar Jackson to look to the sidelines. I think the key to getting him to look that direction is to take away the first read. Mark Andrews over the middle. Dane Crookshank was elevated off the practice squad to be on the active roster last week. I don't know if we really saw him play much defense. I think that was more of a special teams elevation. But if you go back to that 2019 playoff game, Dane Crookshank in man-to-man coverage against Mark Andrews. I think we broke down that film with him a, a long time ago. Um, looking at, or no, we broke it down with David Long, but looking at Dane Crookshank in that game as well. And, um, that it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I don't Did expect we never it because they the haven't Dane Crookshank episode. Sorry. I don't mean to. I think that's what happened. We recorded with Crookshank and then we got slapped with a cease and desist from the NFL. So we never, uh, we never put it out. <laughs> yeah. Don't even, you don't even got to cut this out of the pod. Let's leave it in there. Let the world know that we had that Dane Crookshank Ravens breakdown, <laughs> for you uh that's what we were posting it's too bad because now we could have posted them on the youtube channel and there couldn't have been a damn thing they could have done about it back know, right? then uh but no dane was great in that game that's an interesting point you bring up because he was elevated from the practice squad uh last week again as you said more of a special teams thing but perhaps you know they revisit the tape from that game and, and think that he could offer them something this week uh certainly there's a sense of familiarity there on both sides and i'm just gonna come out and say it you know that Colts game, unfortunately, sort of ruined the feeling to this game for this week. I don't know how you're feeling, but like it's Ravens week. Like, you know, Ken's going to say it later. Big rivalry between these two. They've met in the playoffs a lot over the past couple of years. You'll never forget. Was it the last time? Was the last time they met when the Ravens wiped their feet on the Titans logo as they walked off the field following yeah. that playoff victory in Nashville? The year before, you had the Titans knock them off uh, when they were the number one seed, dominated that game. Um, you remember the the walk off Derrick Henry touchdown in overtime in a big regular season game, like right? Yeah, not without going back to the early two thousands, which we're all aware of. These two teams have played yeah. a lot of great games over these past couple of years, intense games, play a pair of playoff games, and yet I don't really feel the same oomph that I that I should feel. I think heading into this one. That's what happens when you let Zach Moss run for 165 freaking yards and you lose to, uh, in my opinion, I, I don't care, what's still a, a bad Indianapolis Colts team. Yeah, with Gardner Minshew, who's now 3-0 as a starter, by the way, but, um, well, I guess not as a starter, but 3-0 in games that he had to come in and finish. Anyway, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there about this game just doesn't have the same oomph that it should because the Titans have been disappointing more weeks than they haven't been disappointing. So... <laughs> Um, but flipping over, let's talk a little bit about the Titans offense before we bring in our guest. I think that last week we finally saw a little bit. Now they only scored 16 points, so we didn't see a lot of it, but we finally saw a game, I think, where the offense was successful at moving the ball without, you know, Derrick Henry going off on the ground. And 
He still led the team in rushing, but it wasn't a huge game for him. Tajay Spears had a couple nice runs as well, especially the one on the, the end around trick play where he scored a touchdown. I think if the Titans can get the run game going and still find success through the air, you know, DeAndre Hopkins had what could be considered his breakout game for the Titans. He's averaging a career high yards per route run this season with the Crazy. Titans offense, which I think that has a lot to do with the fact that he's not running as many routes as he has in his career because he's playing on this Titans offense that doesn't pass the ball nearly as much or even drop back to pass as much. But he's been very productive and very efficient with his production. If the Titans can get him the ball successfully again and marry that to a strong running game, they have a great chance to come out of this game with a win. But I don't know if I have confidence in this running attack this year The what from what we've seen so far. I don't know. I'm struggling to see how the Titans move the ball against the Ravens defense that has been very, very good this year. I'm expecting a low-scoring game. They got to hit a few explosives and just make a few drives count. I don't think this is going to be one of those games where they're marching up and down the field and it's all about, you know, converting in the red zone and, you know, going one for four, one for five won't cut it for sure. But it's going to be more about just creating those opportunities and getting points on the board because both of these teams have somewhat struggled to score this year. Although I also go back to the Ravens putting up 28 points on a Browns defense that the Titans barely managed to do any, had a, you know, franchise low uh, since they moved to Tennessee in terms of total yards against that Browns defense and the Ravens go put up 28 points on them. So I don't know. It's a week to week league, week to week league. Dorian Thompson Robinson started that game though for Cleveland. For the, for the Browns, right. I think he had three interceptions or whatever it was. So very, very different game than the one the Titans played. Yeah, I just think, you know, the Titans got to get the points when they can and and try to make this a, a, you know, a slower game, slow the game down and see if they can get those long drives. But I just think getting some explosive plays against this defense and setting yourself up for easy points, even if it only happens on two or three drives, is a recipe to winning versus you're not going to have long sustained drives against this Ravens defense. I just don't think that that's a recipe for success. Yeah, if I'm going to be optimistic, and it's probably the one optimistic thing I've said or I will say on this episode, <laughs> it's that, um, you know, I, I think you can see where the path is, right? If the Titans yeah. do have offensive success. And that's, as we're going to hear from Ken a little later, the Ravens are going to, you know, they're going to run some light boxes and they're going to stick to that throughout the course of the game, right? That's something they would like to stick to. So perhaps if you do have some running game success, uh, it could rattle them a little bit, right? You take them out of their preferred uh, formation. You, start, you do something no one's really done on them this year and that's have success running the football and make them change their preferred approach defensively. And then secondly, uh, you know, Marlon Humphrey just got back from injury. Marcus Williams just got back from injury. They've had a lot of success defending the pass, but those two guys are not quite themselves yet. So you, you'd like to think a DeAndre Hopkins versus a hobbled Marlon Humphrey matchup that you're going to have the advantage there, right? With DeAndre Hopkins, who's coming off his best performance as a Titan. So what you said, right? If you can marry the run game to the passing game success, I think me getting, you know, you see the path there, right? You, if you have some ground game uh, success there with the light boxes, and then you find Henry, you find, sorry, Hopkins in an advantageous matchup with Humphrey. I imagine the two of them are going to be matched up throughout most of the game. Um, that's where the Titans can maybe find some situations that favor their offense. Yeah, absolutely. And talking about this, the this offense against the Ravens defense, we can't avoid mentioning that the Ravens are second in the league in sacks with 18 total through five games. Titans obviously have had their issues in pass protection, only gave up one sack to the Colts, who were also very highly ranked in terms of the NFL, you know, sack numbers, not so much after last week, but they were missing Quiddy Pay who was their, is their leading sack guy on the season. So being able to avoid taking those big negative plays, 
I don't know how much confidence I have in the Titans offensive line to do so. The Ravens were rolling out some pretty exotic blitz looks against the Steelers last week, and Kenny Pickett was able to stand in the pocket against against pressure on one play and find his his option downfield for a big conversion. But I am I'm definitely worried from you know the Titans offensive line whether or not Nicholas Petit Friere is in there. Can they block this Ravens front well enough to give Tannehill time to take advantage of that matchup, DeAndre Hopkins, against whoever's covering him in the Ravens secondary? That's going to be crucial. And if that means keeping extra guys in to help protect so that Hopkins can, you know, even if it's only two or three men in the route, if you got Hopkins out there against, like you said, a hobbled Marlon Humphrey, maybe you have a chance to make some things happen. But protecting Tannehill, as it is every week, is going to be even more crucial this week against such a good pass rush. But anyway, I think that does it for our portion of this preview. Is, is it time to welcome in our guest, Justin? Let's bring in Ken McCusick at Film Study Ravens, man. He's terrific. Let's bring him in. Yeah, let's do it now. Ken, thanks for joining us today. How's it going? Thanks for having me, guys. Let's just dive right in here, previewing this Titans-Ravens game. So the Ravens are, I mean, they're kind of like, they're a lot, like a lot of teams in the NFL, kind of like the Titans, where you never know what you're going to get, it feels like. They looked like legitimate contenders in their wins over Cincinnati and Cleveland. They also lost to the Steelers and the Colts. What do you make so far of the 2023 Baltimore Ravens? You know, you've, you've hit the nose on the head up and down. The, the big thing with the Ravens has been injuries. And uh, this week, last week, they had a lot of returns from injuries. And unfortunately, those players immediately contributed to the loss directly. So Marcus Williams returned is not himself. Let's say he's playing with one arm. Ronnie Stanley returned and he, and he played very poorly. And, and there is now, I think, fairly legitimate concern over uh, whether we're nearing the end of the line with, with him as a, as a player. Uh, Beckham returned and didn't play any defense on the interception that was uh, very pivotal in terms of the game. And who else am I thinking of? Uh, the two, there's two defensive players. So, uh, yeah, Marlon Humphrey returned and got beat for the game-winning touchdown. So, uh, <laughs> unfortunate set of circumstances that those four players just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time during this game. Yeah. Yeah, Ken. And, you know, having watched a bit of that game, I thought Lamar Jackson was, was kind of let down by his receivers. You know, they committed several drops throughout that game. And it's been a bit of a recurring issue this year. Are you sort of disappointing with the output, the outputs they're getting from this new look receiver group? Cause there was certainly a lot of excitement, you know, going into the year with Zay flowers added through the draft and Odell Beckham jr. Through free agents. Yeah. So flowers has been good. Uh, despite the drops in this last game, he's been very good. The, the big disappointment so far due to a combination of injuries and, uh, and poor play has been Rashad Bateman, who's former number one draft pick in his third season now, should be performing at a higher level, should be really the Ravens' X receiver. I think, you know, going into this year, I think a lot of people expect him still to be the number one receiver. That really hasn't worked out. I just wanted to get him on the field. So he's the, he's the X receiver on the vast bulk of plays, and the Ravens aren't forced into trying to rely somehow on Odell Beckham. Uh, Beckham has been hurt. Uh, he hasn't been that good when he's been on the field. Uh, so, so huge uh, money sink in terms of, uh, of what they did. They paid him about 15 million. Uh, there's some additional incentives that should take that to 18 million. Uh, but uh, a lot of that was spent out of 2024 money. So uh, frustrating to say the least. And a lot of people accepted on the notion that it was a part of what it took to sign Lamar. Yeah, I mean, talking about the offense there and those receivers, Todd Monken was hired this offseason to be the new offensive coordinator replacing Greg Roman. And it seemed like a universally lauded move there. Word was that Monken would be installing more of a pass-happy offense. 
getting those wep- new weapons involved, helping out Lamar Jackson. What are some of the main differences you've noticed through five weeks in Monken's offense compared to what Greg Roman was doing? So last year's Greg Roman was offense was one of the heaviest in NFL history in terms of the combination of OL6 uh, tight ends and fullbacks per play. That total was over 2.35. That's at a historic level. The, the, the last team to be even close was the 2019 Vikings who were at 1.99. And that's, that's not even in the same ballpark. That's, you know, a league away. You're talking relative sense. It's, it's one of the heaviest offenses of all time. Uh, very much a point of attack offense. It's They did a very good job of spreading the line of scrimmage and confusing the opposing defenses horizontally and did not do a whole lot vertically to threaten them. Uh, Monken has definitely brought in more in terms of a vertical threat. The Ravens' run game has probably suffered just a little bit, but not as much as, as you might have feared. Um, they've run the ball fairly effectively still, and they passed the ball much more effectively this year with, uh, with his team. So, um, you know, they, they run a lot more 11 personnel than they did last year is probably the biggest single difference. And that's fairly self-evident in what I just said about the heavy personnel. But if, if it's not, it's, you know, it's uh, a lot more times they have three wide receivers on the field, a lot more single back set. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's a fairly diverse playbook in terms of what they're trying to do. Um, they've not tried to really stretch the field as much as I would have hoped they would with, say, Flowers, who is the one guy they have who really is an outside, peel the top off the defense. And what I mean by that is really attract safety help on a play-by-play basis uh, to, to uh, help open up those underneath areas for uh, a lot of play action, a lot of those uh, level two slash three routes, which are which are available to the rest of the receivers on this team. Mm-hmm. Certainly seems like they've brought some positive changes um, to that side of the ball, Ken. Switching over to the defense they rank second in sacks right now in the league with 18, third ranked 175 yard passing yards per game, seventh ranked 91.4 rushing yards per game. Uh, everything sort of insinuates this is a pretty good defense. Titans offense, not so much, a struggling unit, a predictably struggling unit uh, that we thought they'd be coming into the year. How does this Titans offense attack what appears to be a very good Ravens defense? You know, the Ravens are a team that has been, they've never been this way in my entire time as a fan. And one of the things I, I, I do is I collect all the personnel groupings from every play. And I have that going back for every, every play in team history now, going back to 1996. So one of the things you find is that they have never played a more set and static set of defensive uh, groups and really attack the offenses in a more static way than they have in this season. And it's been tremendously effective. So they play almost entirely a cover two shell. Uh, they do different things out of that. They play matchup zone. They play some some regular quarters. They play other things out of that, that cover two look. Um, but what it's basically done for them is they had perceived, and I think accurately, uh, some weakness at cornerback. Um, and, and they now have more healthy bodies there. They have a lot of other positions. But they basically have kept those cornerbacks to very limited roles by the fact that they have two cover two safeties. And there has not yet been the team, although the Titans certainly could be it, who's been able to punish them with a ground game uh, to force them out of a cover two look. So they're, they're, they crawl up to the, they, they don't crawl up the line of scrimmage. They, they play the six man box most of the time they play. Now Kyle Hamilton has played a lot of nickel for them. That's a much bigger, uh, more like a linebacker uh, at slot corner that gives them a lot of uh, help in the run game, but still it's going to be a challenge against, you know, King Henry and, and the Titans, I think to, to uh, get that done, but they play almost entirely nickel uh, that's been about 80, 
84.5, sorry, of what they've played so far this year. And the rest is, is almost all base um, and, and three snaps only a dime. I'm a big proponent of the dime defense because I think it allows you to economize at the weak side linebacker position and pay only one guy at inside linebacker and platoon at the other spot. And so that's something that, that I've been not particularly thrilled about, but they have Patrick Queen and they have Roquan Smith now. So for this year anyway, I think that's the way they'll play. I think next year, Patrick Queen will be going somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So, Hey, that kind of bodes well for Titans fans listening here. Can they, uh, can they run the ball effectively and force the Ravens to throw some different defensive looks at them? Uh, Ken, we really appreciate your time here. We're going to close with one last question, sort of what we always do with our guests on the preview episode. If you had to predict how this game unfolds, the game flow aspect of it, and maybe a final score prediction if you're up for it, what would you say? Uh, I really hate being asked final score predictions. I got to tell you that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I will tell you, I think the player who who has an outstanding chance to be good against the Titans on defense is Michael Pierce, who has a chance to be have a great game. He's played fantastic uh, defensive tackle threes. That's usually what I ask my guests, by the way, when I, when I have one for, for Know Your Foe. If you talk about game flow, the Ravens have typically taken leads. Um, they, they've, 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 they won't be forced out of their defense until the Titans prove that they can beat it. And it probably means that the Titans, if they get heavy with the Ravens, meaning if they try and play some uh, 21 or 22 personnel looks, um, they probably will see base. If they play 12, I think it's up in the air a little bit because that's where having Hamilton at the nickel means you, you, you can stick with your, um, your heavier nickel in that way. Uh, but we'll see. And, and if you know, I, I'm sure if the Titans have good success running the ball, Ravens will switch it up somehow and bring in an extra heavy there. And, and we'll see a, a, you know, a seven man box instead of a, instead of a six, but uh, it'll, it'll be a good look game to look forward to. I'll tell you the, the Titans and Ravens in their playoff history together uh, have had such a, a, a long and illustrious set of mutual frustrations. It's, it's been a lot of fun to be down there in Tennessee for those games. I can tell you that. And, in 2000, after the 2000 season, after 2008, after 2020. I'm sure it's been equally fun for you guys after 2003 and whatever the hell else it was, 2019. Um, yeah. But it's been, uh, been a great rivalry. Yeah, no doubt about it. I'm sure we'll see another close, gritty game, hard fought here in London this week. Ken, thanks again for joining us today. Good luck to your Ravens this year, and hopefully we'll get you on again sometime soon. All right, thanks, guys. All right, thanks again to Ken McCusick. You can follow him on Twitter at Film Study Ravens. Check out his website, filmstudybaltimore.com, for lots of insight on this Baltimore team ahead of this matchup. But, Justin, it's prediction time now for us. How do you see this game unfolding? Yeah, I am not going with a Titans win, despite the Jekyll and Hyde that they've been. Um, as we joked about earlier, the calendar would insinuate they're due. But I, I, I think this is the week where they start to separate themselves negatively. Mm. If you know what I mean, Where we, what direction are they going to go in? Right. Mike Vrabel said it a couple of weeks ago. I think this is the week where they start to establish that they are not a good football team. They're not just an inconsistent football team, that they're a bad football team. And that's sort of where I'm headed. That's where I'm leaning. Uh, I think falling to two and four um, would, would really point in that direction. Right. And I think that's what they are. I think they're not a, a good football team. So I'm going to go Ravens, very similar score now that I think about it to the Colts, but I'm going to go Ravens 24, Titans 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I am inclined to agree with you. And I want to bring up something that is, we've been talking about in our group chat on Twitter and stuff uh, with the Broadway sports folk, but 
This season is mirroring the 2019 season in an eerily similar way. Through five games, the Titans have had two really solid performances and three really lackluster performances. If you go back to that 2019 season, Marcus Mariota was the starting quarterback to begin the year. They come out and blow Cleveland out of the water in the first game, 43-13 to final score. They go on to lose the next two games. Offense really struggled, came back in week four and looked like a totally different team against the Falcons, won by two touchdowns. And then the following week, week five against Buffalo, they couldn't get anything going on offense. This year, we've seen something kind of similar. We've seen two really good games from the offense where they put up, you know, 27 and 20, 27 points, both both of those games. Three other games where they failed to score more than 16 points. Eerily similar to how that 2019 season started. And it was week six when we finally saw that quarterback change uh, when Ryan Tannehill came into the lineup. The difference is this year, they don't have a seasoned veteran waiting for his next shot to come into a well-constructed offense and, and really boost everyone around him. The, the options behind Ryan Tannehill are Malik Willis and Will Levis. Is one of those guys going to be better than Tannehill right now at this point in their careers? I struggle to think that that is the case. But I do think it could be time for a quarterback change just because of what we've been talking about with this season. If they're losing 21-0 or 21-3 at halftime and if it looks really bad, I could definitely see a scenario where the Titans say, let's just see. Let's just find out if we can find a spark here somewhere because the offense is not moving very well. I'm not necessarily expecting that. I'm just, I'm on to draw the parallels. And all that said, I'm going to predict a Titans win. And the reason is because I don't think the Titans will win. And every week this year, we have been a little reactionary with our predictions. And uh, we've been wrong every single week this year. I think maybe you got one game right. And I've been wrong every single week this year because I've been so reactionary. And if I'm going to be reactionary again, I would definitely predict a Titans loss. But I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to say the exact opposite of what I'm feeling which is that I think the Titans actually come away with a close win here, whether it be they make one or two fewer mistakes than the Ravens or they make one or two more plays on the offense or defensive side of the ball. I do think it's going to be really low scoring. I'm going to go Titans 19, Ravens 17. Final score, Nick Folk, game-winning field goal in London to finish things off in this game. But uh, I say that with literally zero confidence. I actually think the Ravens <laughs> will win. I just want to get my prediction on record here with a chance to finally be right this season. <laughs> well, I love it. Speaking of needing a spark, I see why you're doing it. You need a spark. You're 0-5, right? So you got to yeah. switch some things up. You're making a quarterback change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm 1-4, I think. So that's crazy, eh? Why do people listen to this podcast? We're a combined 1-9 and nine, uh, if you combine our record. Like, that is, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, it's not for the predictions, that's for sure. It's for everything else and all the all the info that we get and our great <laughs> guests like Ken McCusick. So thanks again to Ken for joining us. Thanks to all of you for tuning into this episode. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. I know it's like a, a shitty week to be a Titans fan because they looked so bad last week and nobody wants to consume Titans coverage now because of how bad they've done. But hey, man, this could be the week where they, they bounce back big time, you know, just like they did after the Browns game against the Bengals and... If that's the case, you're going to want to be in on the excitement before it gets here. So make sure you're tuned into the channel. Subscribe to Music City Audible. Thanks to all our podcast listeners as well. But still, check out the YouTube while you can because you don't want to get left behind. We're over a thousand subscribers now. If, you're, if you don't jump on this bandwagon soon, you're going to miss out on a lot of great content we're putting out. So anyway, that'll do it. We'll be back next week to recap this game. Until then, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.